Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the two-man game right here on Claves Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That's my partner, Matt Rocchio. And um, as winter sets in, it feels more and more like basketball weather, um, certainly here in the Midwest. And um, today we're going to focus a little more on a, a preview of Sunday's Richmond game, 1 o'clock Central Time, St. Louis University and Richmond, as we haven't really had a chance to talk about a Billiken game in a while. Matt Rocchio, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Raymer. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. It's uh, It seems odd that we've had this kind of a layoff, um, and I don't ever want to get used to long layoffs. Two weeks now for the Billikens. Last year it was a month, and uh, let's hope we don't have any more of these. Um, there are a lot of college, in, in general, as we take an overview, a lot of basketball games still being canceled around the country. Um, I, I get a sense that a lot of the folks that look at this thing nationally think we may be, the cancellations may be peaking and maybe by middle of the week, next week, might be able to get back on a more regular schedule with, you know, with, with some exceptions. Yeah, so just about a, you know an hour ago, uh, Carter Chaplin and Stu Durando doing some incredible reporting down there with SLU. They just said, uh, Travis Ford, uh, they said pretty much looks like the game is going to go. Yeah. They're pretty confident. But if you look at the rest of the A-10 schedule, uh, SLU and Richmond is going to be an anomaly tomorrow afternoon. And so when you talk about it peaking at the moment, that's a pretty stark example of how it's peaking. But, you know, you know, it looks like the game is going to happen by, per Travis Ford. The fact that we're under 24 hours here, Richmond's flying in. That's all locked in, it looks like. So I'm unfortunate that it's led to a lot of more cancellations in the A-10. But being a little selfish, I'm very happy we get to watch the St. Louis basketball tomorrow. Yeah, I am I am absolutely thrilled, and it'll be interesting. Um, the, uh, the Billikens have gone through some COVID issues over the last two weeks. In fact, it's only been the last day or so that they've had as many as 10 active players at practice. Um, and so to even be able to go five on five in the last day or so for the first time uh, prior to a big uh, A-10 game is remarkable. And um, and uh, and so this, this two-week layoff um, has been important and clearly necessary for St. Louis U. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the effect of the layoff, you know, obviously much starker last year with 33 days as opposed to 14 days here. But then when you do get the information that, you know, today or yesterday was one of the first times they've been able to have a full five-on-five practice. I apologize for the noise in the background. Excuse me for just a second. Hold on. That's my ride. (laughs) Go ahead. It's an old bit. New Year's in Chicago. Um, So... When you look at that issue and not being able to practice a full team that level, it's not going to be to the same level of last year, but how do you think that affects them overall? And do you think maybe we see full-on just a different style of game, slower, maybe less, you know, maybe less three-point shooting overall because those factors, the rustiness factor, that's kind of the, the last thing that comes back when you haven't had the chance to really practice and get in a group. Well, I think I, I think you're right. It could that could be the effect, but I'm afraid if you try and change who you are and what you do in midstream, you could be asking for a lot of trouble. Um, I can't speak for Travis, um, and probably won't get any inkling until we do the pregame show on radio on Sunday morning. Um, but I think that's how most coaches would feel 
with an exception of maybe, you know, um, and I know we'll get into this in a minute with, with certain personnel, maybe certain packages directed towards certain personnel. Uh, but overall, I think if you try and change who you are, um, you could be asking for more problems than you might otherwise have. Yeah, that's fair. Now, obviously, it's, it's hard to really predict what kind of offense we're going to see from SLU, not really knowing the players who are going to be out and who are the players who might get, as, as Travis said, some time that, you know, we, we didn't really expect earlier on or, or kind of how the the lineup had broken down that we wouldn't expect to get those kind of minutes. It, it, he, the way he's talking, it seems very likely we're going to see a couple guys off the bench that we haven't seen a lot this season. So, with that, it's kind of hard to predict, you know, you know, is Yuri going to be out there for, you know, is he going to be available for, you know, 30 plus minutes? Is Gibson going to be the main key cog in the offense? You know, those kind of things are not 100% right now. But overall, I think if we do see guys like Traore a little bit more or DeAndre Jones, I think it honestly could be something that silver lining in a bad 14 day stretch could maybe be something that benefits them later on in the season that maybe gives them that ninth or 10th guy off the bench which if we go back to the very last flu game we saw, there clearly was an issue where they, where Travis didn't feel comfortable because of depth or injuries with changing the lineup at all in the second half. And so maybe there could be something good coming out of some of these guys getting a run in a game, in a, in a game like Richmond. That's a good point. And it's all speculative. Even if I knew who was likely to be out, I wouldn't say um, coaches like to keep them, those things close uh, close to the vest. So, but, but it might not necessarily be a starting player. If you're playing eight, um, you know, maybe your seventh player, eighth player is out and somebody steps up into that role. It's really hard to say, and we won't know till we get into the game and maybe well into the game, but you know that there are guys we've been wondering about seeing more of, you mentioned Lucina Traore, another guy that, um, who can really shoot it that has really hardly played at all as Rashad Williams, a veteran. So, you know, we'll, we'll look for those kinds of changes and quirks going into the game. Um, I think the key is you got to be yourself, but you're playing a Richmond team. And I know you've done a lot of, you've looked at Richmond a lot lately. Um, this is a Richmond team that is, um, is, is really fascinating trying to figure out who they are. And let me go real big picture and throw kind of a quirky question to you is, this is a team that's been together for four years now. Could they have peaked as a group a year or two ago? Should they have or did they? Could they have? Could that be the reality? And I bring that up because they don't have any real signature wins this year. They just took a horrible, horrible beating at home St. Joe's, that's not disrespect to St. Joe's, but you're Richmond and you're at home and it wasn't getting beat at the buzzer. I mean, it was a beat down. Yeah. And and so have, you know, the quirkiness of the Princeton offense and the strengths and weaknesses of the five, are there, are they, are they not presenting any surprises to the league anymore? Could, and that's where I get to, we're in the media. So clearly overstatements is what we go by, but as an overstatement, could it be that as a group, we've already seen them at the best they could be? The one thing I think we're seeing different from Richmond this year is I think we're seeing an expansion in the volume, in in the efficient volume from Tyler Burton. 
He's always been a guy yes. who can score from a lot of places. But I think we're seeing they're finally getting the combination of but getting him shots in the flow of the offense within set plays and then him getting his own shot in the way he likes to where he can create and he can attack it with those jumpers uh, kind of in the mid-range yeah. and under the three-point line. So I think with the expansion of his game <laughs> and, and where they, it, it's more of a balance where his three-point shooting is now entirely in the offense and then his two-point game is where he's allowed to kind of freestyle a little bit and get after it. Um, you know, more, more in, the, in, in the kind of the broken down moments of the game. When you combine those two things, I think that's opened up Burton a little bit. The problem with him is that he hasn't opened up as a defensive player or as a passer, really, which keeps their offense, you know, kind of having a cap on it. Because if he's going to have such a high efficient, you know, um, usage rating, he yeah. has to be a, a passer and he has to be more of a facilitator. And if he's going to be such an important part of the team, He's got to be more of a, a, a key cog on defense, especially when you think about his size. So I, I think Golden has, it continues to refine the aspects of his game. He's good at He's an incredible passer as well as a very good scorer. And him and Gilliard work together in, in an incredible fashion. But the one thing, to your point, I think has held them back and, and put a cap on them overall on a team is that Gilliard has not expanded himself as an, an offensive player. He's still inefficient. Uh, he doesn't hit a lot. He doesn't, he, I mean, he, he gets completely bottled up when he tries to take shots in the lane. And he doesn't, and despite the fact that he shoots almost seven threes per game, he only hits that at about a 33% clip. And so his, his lack of offensive efficiency, even with his soon to be, or I think that it already passed, career, you know, ten, you know leading assist, you know, assist, uh, steel leader, excuse steel. me, for yeah. Richmond, he just hasn't taken that offensive leap that I think they needed to him as a score. He's one hell of a passer. I'll tell you that though. Well, and what's funny is I was going to take a look at Grant Golden, who, when he's playing well, you feel like is as good as any big guy. You go, what is he doing here? Why isn't he in the, in the pros, but he has a lot of ups and downs. And over the last few uh, games against Richmond, he hasn't been a big concern for me. And that is not disrespectful. It just, it just that, I feel like the Billikens know his game. However, it's easy to fall in, be comfortable with that when you have Hassan French out there guarding. And I think the Billikens have had some success against Richmond because they're an in-your-face. They're pushing up on you, and that is the kind of defense that can beat the Princeton offense. If you get caught laying off, you can, but they've improved their three-point shooting and efficiency the problem is you often with Princeton offense, you get caught defending at, as a defender in no man's land. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with Keller against Okoro against Auburn. Francis kept getting caught in no man's land. So will so Okoro versus French, who's the better defender at this point in time, it's not even close. But can Francis get up on Golden and um, and make the Billiken defense complete and put the pressure on Richmond that they need to to, to keep their offense down. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up that point about Golden because I actually broke down I actually broke down some numbers on him today, uh, kind of to that point, which is you take away that very first game against um, North Carolina Central, which I threw out um, to kind of give me a better look at, at you know kind of Ken Palm teams you know above 200. Um, you take out that game against North Carolina Central, or North Carolina Central to start the game. 
Golden has 86 made free uh, field goals right now on the season. 41 of them are unassisted. 23 of them are assisted by anybody not named Jacob Gilliard. And 22 of them are assisted by Jacob Gilliard, which means that so he has almost as many assists to Golden as the entire rest of the team combined and almost 25% of Golden's total made field goals. Now, if you go through some of their games, a lot of Golden's missed shots are also coming. The few times he does miss it are coming on, assist, on passes from Gilliard that then don't count. My point being that Gilliard and Golden is an incredibly efficient part of that offense. The way he's able to get the ball into Golden, Golden's then able to facilitate from that point as well. It's one of the main reasons why the Princeton offense is so damn good and has been for so damn long. But their, their ability to attack teams in that two-man game is, is something I was watching for exactly because of what we just saw against that Auburn game where slew at times yeah. has gotten destroyed by point guard center two-man games. And, and, and Auburn was a big one. And it looked like right there in the middle of the, se- the, middle of the early part of the season against the UABs and the Belmonts, they had figured it out a little bit. And they, they got kind of killed in other, other ways. But the Auburn game, it came storming back as a problem. And right here in this game, it's another 1-5 combo that they're going to have to figure out from the get-go. Yeah, I think that's very important to see. Um, And I still can't figure out how they laid such an egg at St. Joe's. Um, Here's the thing, as a side note. um, I've talked to a couple members of the media and several fans, hardcore fans, and it amazes me, and maybe that's why many of us in the media weren't accomplished athletes. The fear, the fear factor that fans and media runs through their blood, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, cold chills. And here's, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the line that runs through. Oh, they just got beat at home. Oh, slew better look out now. Why do people run so scared? I don't get that. Why are people so afraid? Athletes don't care, absolutely do not care about that kind of stuff. Teams do not care about that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I just I just find that fascinating. Maybe it's just Billiken fans, but it is a very common thread. Yeah, that's kind of one thing we, we've seen from people that I saw, you know, as it was playing out uh, the other night is, oh, no, SLU doesn't want to see a team right now. They're going to be pissed off after getting smoked at home and, and, and things like that. And, and I didn't want to get caught up in that thing. If, if anything, you know, you want, to, you, you want to look at the fact of how did they lose that game and what might be the emphasis that the, the team has coming out of it. That's something that is actually real within coaching staff. It's not the fear factor of it isn't a real thing. The X's and O's, what did we do wrong in that game? What can we change? Uh, you know, for, for me, the big thing that stood out to me, if you're looking at that box score, is that Richmond still forced turnovers. And I guarantee you that, yeah. that, that I guarantee you that the coaching staff focused on the fact that, yeah, we lost by 17, but we forced 15 turnovers. And they, had, they, and they only forced nine from us, which means, you know, and so those are the little things they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on the fact that, you know, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat Terrible for the most part. And, and, and again, Look at those, the processes of those shots. You know, the difference, you know, were they open looks or were they completely trash looks? If you go back and look at some of them, St. Joe's, St. Joseph was playing great defense, but there's just some clear wide open layups. That, and we've seen that with Slew that, that, that Richmond was just missing. And so I'm not trying to get too caught up in a 17-point loss. Um, you know, it, it's a conference game uh, on the road in, in a season where you don't know how many conference games you're actually going to get. 
I don't think you really need to add much more motivation for these teams beyond that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and um, the uh, uh, turnovers and missed layups have been, you know, that's been bugging us for a while with slew basketball. Um, and so obviously Richmond will try and flip the script a little bit and keep that as a factor for the Billikens, something that Travis and the staff and the players will will have to avoid um, in that game. But I still think the, the key to the game's got to go back to pressure, pressure, pressure at all five spots on the floor. We'll see if Travis agrees, A, and B, if the Billikens can execute. Yeah, pressure's going to be huge. And kind of, again, not knowing 100% who's going to be out there for SLU, but just kind of working with some of the information we have. If, in fact, T.J. Hargrove is healthy, I think that, again, is going to be a key cock. He was so crucial in that matchup against Jabari Smith Jr. in that Auburn game. And having another guy who's big in Tyler Burton, 6'7", 215 pounds, um, you know, you can't, you can't throw any of the other big guys on him because Golden at 6'10", uh, if you let him, you know, feast inside against a smaller guy, he, he will yeah. get layups all day long. And right. we saw um, Belmont, you know, we saw the game, what happens then. Um, so T.J. Hargrove, if he's playing, will be a huge part of the defense because if Tyler Burton gets going, like I, well, we talked about to start the game or start the podcast, it completely changes the flow within that Princeton offense. Um, and if they get a little bit of a lead and he starts feeling it and he starts going, you know, outside of the flow a little bit, uh, he, he can kill you in that mid-range game. Um, and then obviously you, you ever give him a step um, in the offense on the three-point line, he's taking a shot. He, you know, he's going to jack that one up. He, you know, he takes about 12 shots a game and it's almost about a six and six even split from shots below the arc and behind the arc. So he's dangerous. TJ Hargrove is going to be a huge part of it if he's out there and playing. Um, one thing to kind of look at that hasn't that's come up little things is that it's it, it's a big three with with Richmond. You've got Burton, you got Golden, you got Gilliard. But uh, Nathan Cayo and oh god, what's the name of the guard who who shoots like crazy sometimes? I got where I got it written down somewhere. What's that book? Oh yeah, Sherrod. The Sherrod oh, yeah, kid. Sherrod. He might he might go over eight. Or he might start three for four and completely change the complexion of the game. He he doesn't player. shoot anything but threes. He's kind of like if Rashad Williams ever got on the floor for flu. And so those guys are, are you know you're not going to see them as much. You're not going to hear their names as much. But if they have three or four minute bursts within that offense, that could be huge against flu. And we've seen a couple other you know lower on the depth chart players. Um, kind of bite flu in the ass in some of these yeah. games. So the, those are the big three. You've got to focus on Burton, Gold, Golden, and Gilliard. But do not let some of those other names on this Richmond squad slip past you. When you have fifth and sixth year seniors on your on your team, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes that that veteran factor really does play play in your favor. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that um I think when another name we didn't mention, not that we have to go through and mention every guy's name. But I started to think about Sherrod and some of the other things you're trying to do with uh, uh, with Richmond and, and even some of the wing players, and that's Fred Thatch, who has to come in and be more defensively dominant. Okay, that's. I mean, that's. Listen, I mean, this is going to be an offensive game. If you look at if you look at you know ratings, offensive ratings, Ken Palm ratings, and stuff like that, both Flu and Richmond are you know top 100, top 75 offensive teams you know, top 120 defensive team. So, I mean, this is going to be an offensive game. So 
a team having a defensive kind of trump card that could be huge you know if that's if that slew having both Linson and Okoro completely healthy, that's a huge thing right there. Can Fred Sachs, despite the fact that some of these difference makers on Richmond, uh, Kayo, 6'7", Burton, 6'7", even Sherrod, 6'4", can, can Sachs match up as we know he usually can against bigger guys in that defensive way? And then, like you said, does Richmond have something out there? You know, can, can Sherrod and those guys, can they bump Gibson Jimerson off the three-point line the way that Auburn was? Um, I think a big thing is going to be Yuri, uh, Yuri Collins defensively against Gilliard. I talked about it earlier in the game. Yeah. Gilliard is not an efficient offensive player, but he's out there for almost 38 minutes a game, and he has the ball in his hand to start yeah, a lot of those offensive possessions. So can Yuri Collins step up and, be a, and step up and dominate that matchup? Can he get a couple steals? Like you said, can he be the spearhead of that pressure right off the get-go that's going to be a big, big key. I think Yuri Collins is an underrated defensive player when we talk about Slew's defensive yeah. um, style most of the time. And I think uh, there's been a couple big plays, mostly against Auburn, where he got exposed, uh, probably because he was, you know, on on you know on some dead legs because he was on his ninth or tenth minute in a rotation. But that's going to be a big thing against a guy like Gilliard. Can Yuri Collins, like you said, with that pressure, be the start of it? And it's interesting, even having missed a couple of games, Yuri still leads the nation in assists, and hopefully that kind of production uh, can still keep going. I don't usually – I'm not a better, so I don't. All, I rarely look at the betting lines. My guess is somewhere between four-and-a-half and five-and-a-half, a, a St. Louis favorite, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. That seems reasonable. Yeah, that's what I would about guess it is. You know, they're 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 not very far apart in a lot of the ranking systems. Right. Um, you know, they're very similar teams. I think I think you know, SLU, I think we are a little bit more biased because we watch the Belmont UAB games and we don't we're we're a little bit less moved by the L's and the loss column from those games and more and we're trying to more take away from the play. And so Right. I think in our head we got flew a little bit higher maybe than some other people would, maybe some and maybe but Vegas then again, Vegas is, is smarter than anybody when it comes to this stuff. So they, they, they take that stuff into account. So I'm going to double check that actually. So I actually want to know what it is. I'm going to see if Bovada actually has a number up on that one. Cause that's actually, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, let me see, let me see if they got one look, up on look that. that right up and, and I'll mention, um, you know, the Billikens are at home and I started more and more going over the, uh, the conference schedule. Um, certainly the at UMass game will try and be rescheduled. There's a couple of gaps in the schedule for that. Um, I think, in general terms, the schedule overall with who you have at home and who you have on the road is favorable. Uh, you got to win the games. You can't play badly and expect to win games e- even against the, the bottom of the league. It's it's uh, uh, the league is too balanced. But I, I I really believe that the Billikens have an excellent opportunity to go into double digit with league victories and. Um, and if they can if they can get a couple of more than that, then that's a chance for them to get a good seed in the conference tournament and move on. I mean, that, I'm getting way way down the line. My point is, the schedule itself is not especially daunting. It seems fair and even favorable to the Billikens. I think. Yeah, I'm not seeing unfortunately a line up just yet. From maybe, maybe those lines are tomorrow, being held. Maybe those lines are being held back because of COVID and you know, uh, waiting to see who's going to play and all those kinds of things. That's all reasonable. 
Yeah, usually usually they they get those lines out usually a day before. It's usually not much before that, but yeah, maybe even now nowadays with everything how how it's going with cancellations, they're just holding it back until the last couple hours beforehand. But I'm actually gonna try to watch that for tomorrow. I'll update some people on on Twitter because it would shock me if it's anything uh, beyond three and a half to five and a half uh, for Salu. Anything outside of those parameters, any other way, eh, I'll honestly be pretty shocked. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be a good offensive tr- game. Again, all this you know could change the, the ten minutes before the game. We discover what the, the lineups and what the the roster really is for St. Louis. Right. But at right. the same time, if if this game ends up being you know a, a rough game because you know Slew only has seven fitted out, but it's a game where we see Rashad Williams get twenty five minutes. Uh, you know there could be some positive things to take away from this, and, and I know that's kind of a maybe a cop out way to look at this game, but at the same time, you, you got to take what you can away from these games. And if a guy like Rashad Williams or Lucina Traore get more time than we've seen, that, again, could be something later down the line. The, Traore fascinates me because if he gets more minutes and he's a playable guy, all of a sudden now you have two, a, a two-center lineup that enters the equation that I think could be interesting to play with. And with Rashad Williams, I keep saying more three-point shooting could open up the offense and really help Slew and really open up Yuri. Yeah. Rashad Williams could be a huge part of that. So if those guys are playing tomorrow – some people could be freaking out, but honestly, that makes me want to watch the game even more. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting. That's how uh, Rock and I break it down, and um, we'll reconvene against, again early in the week, recap the Richmond game, take a look ahead, and kind of gather up all of our uh, uh, holiday NBA talk uh, as we get together again in a few days. Rock, happy new year. Hope your headache's gone away. I, that was just an assumption. That you were hungover. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. Just assuming. Okay. Glad you're feeling better. Um, so everybody, happy. I tell, you what, I tell you what, Portillo's is a magical, magical remedy. <laughs> happy New Year to everybody out there. We'll be back with more basketball talk on the two-man game in just a few days, right here on Claves Online. See everybody later.